Welcome to Foam Class, where you may not like us, but you can't deny we've got style. Except that isn't actually true in my case. But you know, you are both very stylish, so there we go. <laughs> so today we are joined by my colleague, Lucy, is also an English teacher. She is the head of Key Stage 4 at my school, and she's also, I think I'm right in saying, Lucy, that you are a Harry Potter fan, right? Otherwise, this was probably a bad idea. Yeah, 100%. So it's quite interesting, actually, to have your perspective. How did you get into Harry Potter? Because we were that generation that feels like we have ownership because we were around when it first came out. Was it just around you all the time when you were a kid? So I remember getting into them through through my sisters, um, and I'd read them all by year six, and then the obsession, I'd say, began year seven when I was like fully old enough to understand them. So just before we go into the film, just a last question, Lucy. What Hogwarts house do you belong to? I am a Hufflepuff. I used to be a really proud Hufflepuff. As I've grown, I do feel like a slight bitterness that I'm unquestionably a Hufflepuff. But Hufflepuff is definitely the, the worst house and that is me. Now, I'm going to hold you to account there, Lucy, because I've also always get Hufflepuff whenever I do these quizzes. And I actually have had a different trajectory where I used to feel very ashamed. And now actually... I feel like we are egalitarian, we accept everyone, we're not stuck up, we're not up ourselves, unlike some other unmentioned houses. So actually, I feel like we should be... <laughs> okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. Should we start talking about the film as well? So literally all of my notes are just about Umbridge. That's all I want to talk about today is Umbridge. I have nothing else to say other than Umbridge. I feel like Umbridge is the scariest character in this film because she's exactly the sort of evil that genuinely exists. Unlike Voldemort, who's very cartoony, Umbridge, because she's a much more like banal form of evil that is kind of disguised and is very bureaucratic, I find that genuinely scarier because that is how evil actually operates. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And she's so motivated by herself and her own gain and her own, um, her own kind of motives that she she will do anything and that's how you get to the top right that's how you gain power so she's like an excellent depiction of how power corrupts i think yeah she's terrifying she really uses politeness as a weapon so above the surface she's very to the letter and so she can never be reproached and yet beneath that she's a really really messed up character who literally abuses children but it's like the idea of the true evil or like the true abuser is someone you would never suspect because they present such a kind of pleasant face to the world and that freaks me out a little bit i love that moment in the film where she um she has her first speech in the great hall and she's like it's so lovely to see all your bright happy faces shining up at me and it just pans around to the kids just looking dead. <laughs> a, I can relate to that. How many times have I made that appalling joke in front of a class? And B, I think we're used to as seeing as that kind of archetypal villain. Um, it's just like brilliant. Yeah, and that, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like it also shows you how she really abuses and like manipulates language. So she is insistent that the, basically when she says, I like seeing your bright happy faces, what she's saying is you cannot question me at all. Like I'm not interested in any kind of disaffection that you're going to present to me. But I guess we should mention that the first time we actually see her isn't when she's at Hogwarts. It's during Harry's expulsion committee, which it kind of seems to suggest uh, at one point that like this isn't the normal procedure. Like it's clearly very over the top. But it's kind of an interesting idea, I guess, in that we haven't ever really had it clarified like what happens to kids who are like really poorly behaved other than Hagrid going to Azkaban that was revealed in um, Chamber of Secrets. It's quite an interesting idea, I guess, of like how they discipline children because we actually rarely see discipline other than like, like docking house points. But what this part really made me think of was, I don't know if either of you have ever experienced a plagiarism committee at university, because I did in my first year, and it was genuinely one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> like, it was exactly like this. You had everyone in the department that I was in, all the, like, main members of staff, and they all just interrogated me for, like, an hour, and it was honestly, like, traumatising. So I felt for Harry in this moment. 
I think also, well, it's from from the scene before when um, he gets the letter to say that he's hereby expelled. Um, and then they have the back and forth about he goes for the hearing. I think it comments as well on the idea that you can have like really rigorous behaviour policies. They like kids are all such different beings and their behaviour is so different and the context is so different that it's so difficult to have a behaviour policy. Like, as you say, we never see one really at Hogwarts that is universal because <laughs> events are never universal. So it's quite an interesting thing to, that it makes you think about because obviously in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, when he uh, blows up Aunt Marge, he isn't expelled and he isn't even reprimanded. And then here, because the context is different, he uh, performs this essential spell and he does get reprimanded. And I think we see that in the school system quite a lot because you struggle to do a universal behaviour system because contexts are so different and the way that staff treat it is so different and, and react. No, it did, absolutely. And I guess it also, it just, it flags up a lot of questions, doesn't it? And I think I'm really interested in this, like how Hogwarts really works. So let's say a kid does get excluded, like where do they go then? Like, is there a proof? Where, what's the next step? Like, did they just go home? In the same way that we've talked about in previous episodes, it's not, it's not clear if they have like a primary education or what Hogwarts is basing its education system on. It's just a lot of, I guess, unanswerable questions that I don't want J.K. Rowling to answer, but I'm interested in, I guess, like thinking about. Umbridge's first lesson, she comes in and they're flying all these cute little paper aeroplanes and the music that they're playing in the background makes it seem like such a magical thing. In all fairness, if I walked into a classroom full of kids throwing paper aeroplanes, I would have completely gone mad and yelled at the top of my voice. Umbridge is actually by far the most structured and um explicit teacher that we see like all the other lessons we see and i think maybe part of the appeal of hogwarts is it's just sort of and shane's gonna have a go at me now but it's like having quote unquote fun lessons whether you like demonstrate stuff that's just really fun to play around with it's very like experiential whereas she's very explicit that this is a scheduled program of learning that's based on a textbook it's uh, quote unquote risk free. She insists on raising hands before you ask a question, which actually I think is quite a good practice. Some of the stuff she does actually is sort of presented as like part of her being this demonic evil person. But actually some of the structure she implements maybe is a good idea. So she has raised hands. She does also say that school is for examinations, which uh, obviously I do disagree with. But I think we're supposed to think of her as just being evil in the way that kids hate, you know, boring textbook based lessons. But actually I feel like some of the stuff that she implements is actually probably needed in Hogwarts. Does anyone agree, disagree? I actually agreed with Harry when he puts his hands up and he challenges her, says, you know, we need to practice the the spells and we need to make sure that we can defend ourselves. And she's saying, what are you going to need to defend yourself against? All of this stuff is lies. You need to be memorizing these textbooks. And I think in a future lesson, she gets them to copy out the textbook three times because they need to commit it to memory. Um, I completely disagree with textbook learning. And actually, practical work, being a science teacher, practical work serves its purpose. And there is some, some you know, valuable learning and skills to be learnt through doing practical work. So it doesn't necessarily have to be fun, but definitely practical work has its place. And a textbook isn't the way to go forward with with subjects like that. I really am on the fence in terms of this. I, I really agree with Shane's point because what I love about Hogwarts is it's a school that like really preps them for the variety of different magical careers that there are to offer. Like Defence Against the Dark Arts, you get outstanding in that. You are on track to be an aura, which is like a really important role in the fabric of their magical society. And if you are amazing at herbology then you've got this option to be working with magical creatures in the ministry of magic like 
their whole experience before Umbridge gets there is the Hogwarts prepares them for this, these variety of different like vocational and academic careers which I feel like we, we miss a trick with in our education system like ours is so much based on written examinations that we acknowledge that we fail to um, address like the vocational needs for education um, at the moment would, would be what I would say but I also think like Sean that Umbridge is amazing because she highlights a lot of issues that have been there at, um, in Hogwarts. Like she brings up this issue of accountability. I just do not remember um, Hogwarts being held accountable apart from the Chamber of Secrets, basically like the PTA, <laughs> Lucius, um, holding them accountable. But other than that, there's not really an accountability process and it's like the one magical school they have. So surely there should be a bit more accountability there. There is value to having structure in lesson and um I would be freaking if they were yelling out and shouting out rather than putting hands up. So can relate. Yeah, it's like the way she goes about it isn't completely right, but she she's, the only, she's actually, I think, maybe the only teacher who actually says things that like teachers think about, like you're going to do this for retention, or she thinks about the purpose, what the subject is in terms of like their actual school careers. They have these exams at the end, but we never really hear about it until they have to like start revising for it. So, you know, a lot of the stuff she does is pretty poor practice, like making them copy stuff out over and over just to remember it and stuff. But I don't know, I think we could push against the idea that everything that she's doing seems to present it her agenda as like a, a political figure to sort of impose like a lack of fun onto the school and actually some of it I do think has value however this does bring us to the idea that she punishes kind of any resistance to her authority and she does that by getting Harry to write out his lines and I always really remember this part of the book I think I don't think the films really capture how visceral it is in the book in terms of him scoring himself in his own blood but it did make me think about why is that such a classic punishment we have talked about this in previous episodes the idea of giving kids lines right out like why do we do that what is the purpose of making kids write lines out committed to memory i guess i guess so it's like it's just such a classic bart simpson style punishment isn't it i just think who who invented this why why do we think this is a good idea i suppose it is to to force in what you want the kid to do i guess like in this image of him writing in his own blood you kind of see the imposition of teacher authority is actually being quite a, a kind of implicitly violent thing to do and it always makes me so sad that he never says anything and i think that's a really true depiction of what happens when people are being abused which is that they immediately internalize it and they don't want to share it especially i think boys and men are not good about uh talking about their own pain or someone like enforcing pain upon them so i, I think it's really believable that he never he's he's actually quite ashamed and doesn't want to tell anyone what's happened to him but it's also really heartbreaking yeah, I totally agree. And in this, in in the book, certainly, and in the film, they do do a, an, an all right job of depicting it in the film. Like Harry internalizes everything. Um, so, and and I think that's quite reflective of teenagers and specifically teenage boys. Like his emotions come out of him in like burst where he doesn't control them, and that's definitely reflective of what we see in the classroom when they hit this kind of age of fourteen, fifteen. A lot of students they have all of this like internalized feeling and they express it in that kind of outwardly burting kind of way where it's not controlled and this is definitely one of those cases because the whole reason he has to go to detention is because he has that shouting match yeah, where he his all of his anger um not just umbridge i think but with what's happened to him over summer comes out um and he hasn't expressed that properly before 
It does, Joe. And I think I guess this is this is the dark, like angsty Harry here, isn't it? Like from I guess Goblet of Fire, he starts to become a, a much more adolescent, moody, reflective kind of a character. And Umbridge, I guess, is quite a good nemesis for him because she thrives on secrecy, I suppose, in terms of, you know, this could very if if what she was doing with Harry was exposed then there could actually be some comeuppance for her. But I get, maybe she's, she's kind of aware that he's not someone who's going to want to draw attention to it. And so it's him that she kind of zones in on. So we've kind of talked about her as a teacher, but I want to talk to her about her now as she puts herself in the position, doesn't she, of high inquisitor. And I feel like it's presented as a combination of when you get like a new leader in a school who's d- determined to impose their kind of personality and their ideology onto a school and an Ofsted inspection. It's like a mix of the two. Now, I've never experienced an Ofsted inspection, but I know both of you have. So thinking about, she starts advising, shall we say, that new methods need to be imposed. She starts doing things like measuring Flitwick, which I feel like is kind of implicitly like a prejudicial kind of like analogy, but also suggests that she's, you know, literally measuring the performance of staff. Do we think this sequence maybe lucy if you start because i think you i think your first year of teaching had an offset inspection didn't you is the the experience the hogwarts staff are having whilst umbridge kind of imposes herself does that ring a bell to you uh, in terms of what you experience in your offset inspection no <laughs> um just in terms of she's so like vicious with it but i think there are some some real echoes i think it's really interesting when when we had our offset inspection but we had like a couple of assemblies where they introduced like the offset offset inspectors and they stood up and they were kind of like you know, we're here to support the school and we're here to make sure everything you guys are getting the treatment you deserve. And they, they kind of came at it from an angle of like, we're here to help you. But there was still so much amongst the staff, like nervousness and feeling that it was far, far more based on judgment rather than support. And I think that's like a commentary on, it, especially if you're in a, working in a high pressure environment, like the outsider coming in. It's someone to direct your fear in your workplace to. I I just love that scene where Umbridge speaks to McGonagall. McGonagall kind of challenges Umbridge's teaching and Umbridge comes back with saying that things are going to need to change around here. That kind of rings true of the offset experience because Umbridge has only been there for what, like a term, if that? And McGonagall has been there for years and years and years and years and years. And all of a sudden she makes all of these changes. And I think that's quite similar to like an offset inspection. They come for maybe like one or two days and they make all of these comments about how your school can, can be better. But you are there on the ground for days and months and weeks and years. And it's it's a really weird dynamic to have someone who's just come in for a snapshot of hours to tell you how you can do better. And I don't know how we, we get around that. Yeah, I love that uh, scene with McGonagall because she's such a linchpin of like how Hogwarts functions and she really has that gravitas, I guess, with the kids, but also with the audience that she is. She is the Hogwarts teacher, in my mind anyway, that kind of power play where they're on the steps with each other arguing and the way that Umbridge manages to wield like political position, I think really shows you that it doesn't really matter in that situation how much experience you've had, how well you know the kids, like what you have to offer it, you are going to follow what we have, what I, I should say, what Umbridge is implementing, which I guess is where it becomes less of like an offset inspection and more a kind of new leader into a school determined to impose what they think should be done. Shane, what about you? All this kind of stuff with Umbridge imposing her world, what did this kind of bring up for you in terms of what you've experienced? I think the thing that resonates the most with me when I saw watch the film and then I just kind of thought back to my experience 
in terms of Ofsted, is the clipboard of doom. You see her walking around with this clipboard, observing lessons and taking down notes, um, especially Professor Trelawney's lesson. And I really do feel for her and how the whole situation with her was played out. You'd obviously not get that within an Ofsted visit. You wouldn't see a teacher being marched out because of something that they'd seen or or reported back to the head teacher. The more Ofsted inspections that I've been through, as a classroom teacher, I, I think it is important to know that it's not so much you that's being judged, but more the leadership that's taking you on this journey and your school. Um, and I definitely felt the pressure when I was a member of leadership than I did the pressure that I ever felt as a classroom teacher. And having been in that position, it feels easier now to go through an Ofsted inspection without the the pressures of leadership and knowing that it's not me who's being judged, but more so the, the team that's leading me. Part of the scene where McGonagall comes and puts her arm around Trelawney, I mean, can we just talk for a moment about every single member of staff who's supported another member of staff when you get into the end of term and you're, you know, you're fighting all of those tears and those urges to completely lose your shit. And another member of staff has come along and made you a cup of tea or offered you a chocolate or a biscuit of that warmth of your colleague's support just when you really need them the most. Such a beautiful moment. And since I've been a teacher, that moment has definitely taken on more meaning for me. I just love I just love that part of the scene. And also I love because my gunner was never presented as like a overly emotional or kind of like an over, over well, she's, she doesn't pander to anyone but there are moments where she is that strong strong supportive teacher presence that you need i agree with you shane like especially doing teach first which you can relate to obviously lucy like you're in such a vacuum and you're literally thrown into a job you don't really have any idea how to do and so that support from other members of staff was really important to me in getting me through just literally people just being like you're doing a good job like keep going get to this part it'll be so much easier just having that kind of reassurance from people who've been there before you was really helpful for me because otherwise i don't know if i would have survived especially that first time there's something else that um umbridge introduces that really uh struck a chord with me you know how every time she has a rule and she gets a big poster put up in a frame um, I once worked worked in a school that they started to make non-negotiables. I still shudder when I hear the term non-negotiable. But every new non-negotiable there was, we would have to put up a poster in our classrooms of said non-negotiable. And it would appear permanently fixated on our desktop screen. So whenever we logged onto our computers and we're using our computers, those non-negotiables would be there. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that. I completely forgot about all the rules she implements as High Inquisitor. That like panoply of rules that are hammered in, and I, I think it does really illustrate, you know, with rules that are non-negotiables, you want to keep them very simple, very brief. No one's paying attention to any of these rules. They're completely overwhelming. And actually, like I don't know what you two feel about this, but the first year that I taught. I did with quite a few classes go through in the first lesson. Okay, these are our ground rules. Like, what rules do you think we should have in a classroom, et cetera, et cetera, which I do think is valuable. But actually, this year I didn't do it just as an experiment. And I don't really feel like it made a bit of a difference whether I did it or not. It kind of made me feel like, actually, maybe it's better to deal with things ad hoc rather than start with these are the rules. Maybe, Lucy, if you go first, what do you think about that? Because I think I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying you do that as well, that you set ground rules at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you've read or heard of um, Boys Don't Try, but something that we are looking at embedding, and I've definitely embedded quite um, stringently, is like having core expectations that are 
as you say, really, really simple. So there's like four of them. And I put them now, um, which we're trialing it with my year 11 class, and I put them in every single lesson. Um, and it's just a slide. And whenever I feel like they need a reminder, I just like unhide the slide of, of the core expectations. It was like a recommendation in, in Boys Don't Try. You talk about having all of those different high inquisitor posters they're so overwhelming kids literally do not know and do not care and there's that really brilliant scene where she's walking around um hogwarts and she's just constantly like using her wand to stop people from breaking the rules like <laughs> those um boys and girls who are kissing to like fly apart and then tucking that boy's uh t-shirt in that shirt in and stuff with her wand it's just like a clear example that the rules are not working nobody's reading them they're all still doing exactly what she doesn't want them to do um so i feel like too many if you don't keep it simple there's just no no point i do like uh the scene that that leads up to fred and george completely and utterly rebelling against umbridge it starts off with them comforting that little year seven boy who's crying i don't think we ever see that side of them um except for in that scene where they're literally sat around him hugging him saying look at our hours as are almost gone they, it doesn't hurt after a while and then they just do what every single student probably dreams of disrupts examinations and essentially sticks their middle finger up at umbridge and goes out with literally a bang yeah that scene is such good like wish fulfillment because it is like i feel like everyone's had an experience of just uh wanting to do that in a lesson like with a teacher that you really hate this is also the first and maybe the only film that we actually see harry as a teacher as well because the kids are so dissatisfied with their defense against the dark arts lessons he then starts using the room of requirement and starts teaching them like how to do the Patronus charm and stuff. And the kids are very complimentary about his teaching. They said that he's, you know, they need a real teacher. He's a really good teacher. And he seems to really take to it, which actually kind of surprised me. I felt like that was the setup for him becoming a Hogwarts teacher. Although I'm pretty sure I might say he ends up becoming an aura. Um, what do we think about Harry as a teacher? I love it. And I love that Hermione has the idea. Um, uh, starts to break the rules i think that's just this film and this book is such a growth for her character where you see her moral compass already has appeared throughout all of the books and the films but her moral compass really starts to guide her through i love that moment when they um all acknowledge that neville does the expelliarmus and they're all genuinely so happy that he's got it and i i sometimes see that in in lesson that's one of the really brilliant moments of teaching where like the, the whole class know that one kid has been really struggling with this element and then they read something out or they answer a question and everyone's like yeah well done well done harry's built a really positive environment there where they don't laugh at him all the times he gets it wrong he just continues to feel comfortable to try try and try again and there's so much celebration when he gets it right it's just such a lovely lovely experience but I, I like to imagine as well, because we don't really see much of Harry teaching Luna, do we? But I can imagine that he's quite a good mentor for her as well. So I think I'm right in saying he's a little bit older, isn't he? I think she's in the, maybe a year or two below. Um, and I can imagine they would have probably quite a nice teaching relationship. And I guess just to, I do quite like that the film provides space for the idea that actually like students or pupils can also teach their peers in things that they're really experienced in. Harry is the teacher we all want to be, engaged students who make progress. I think he he says this thing to motivate them, which uh, I which just stuck with me. He says, um, "Every great wizard started off like us students. If they can do it, why not all of us?" I think he's so positive, and you're so right, teacher. You wanted to be so positive with them, like relentlessly positive. And he's like, "Fantastic, great." And he wanders around, and he circulates, and yeah, he's he's good. 
I think um, just to just to before I forget, I think Sean, I think I'm going to agree with you, re Umbridge. I think Umbridge is my the character that I think is just so fun. Like it's, especially in the film, she's brought to life so so brilliantly by is it Imelda Staunton that plays that? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, she's brought she brought so brilliantly, and I, Imelda Staunton does so many amazing things that are just so enjoyable to watch, despite the fact that she's horrible. Like you know, when she leaves Hagrid's hut and she does the cross with her perfume. But such a brilliant touch, like bringing together this thickly sweet femininity um, and then this really sinister marking an X on the door of someone, like killing them off. Um, yeah, she's just such a brilliant character. Um, I don't know, maybe I would go for a drink with her. Maybe I would. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm sycophantic in that way. If you could teach in Hogwarts, which subject would you teach and why? Love this question. Okay, care of magical creatures would be ace. That would be my preferred subject. I loved my favourite bits about um, reading Harry Potter when I was growing up were all of the magical creatures that you came across, um, hands down. I'm such an animal lover myself. The idea that you could have like a half unicorn, half horse, or you could have like the blast-ended screws just sounded, the nifflers, oh, I would love a niffler. It just sounds like a bit of me. So I'd love to teach um, care of magical creatures. But realistically, if we were kind of um, doing a direct kind of comparison, it would be magic, which I would equally love. Um, don't get me wrong. I think history of magic would be way less dry than some of the history taught in, uh, <laughs> in schools at the minute. Um, but ideal would be care of magical creatures. More realistically, maybe history of magic. Shane, what is your rating of Hogwarts this year based on what we see? This year, they've obviously had a really strict headmaster in place who's followed all of the rules and been really stringent. It would be nothing less than an outstanding because I have come from the Ministry of Magic where we've sent uh, Professor Umbridge from. So to not to upset her and to obviously reward her for in, uh, putting in place all the rules, I would be awarding Hogwarts an outstanding. Oh, okay, that's controversial. Lucy, do you agree, disagree? Shay said earlier that Ofsted looks more at leadership, so I'm going to go in with that lens. Um, and I think it highlights, we haven't really discussed it, like Dumbledore's behaviour in this film. He is a really interesting leader, like he optionally denies support to a student that clearly is seeking it. He 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 doesn't manage to keep like his his vision for the school going forward, Umbridge takes over. So for that, I'm going to say requires improvement. Dumbledore, that was the wrong choice to turn away that student. Uh, he needed your support. Not not impressed. It's it's the difficult one for this one, is it? Because essentially what we see is a school going into like special measures and Umbridge is imposing that because she, I guess, is in agreement with you, Lucy, that the school really needs improving. But based on what we see of Umbridge's regime, I feel like that requires improvement. So we're in like a vicious circle of uh, just constant requiring improvement, requiring improvement. But there's definitely a lot uh, to be concerned about here in terms of like the culture that you know we're willing to like embarrass and humiliate members of staff that you know personal questions are being asked by this inquisitor there's a lot of stuff i think that we could uh question here but thank you very much for joining us lucy it has been a pleasure to direct people to like your social media and stuff my teacher twitter is at loose l-u-c-e teach first i do lots of kind of educational and political retweets <laughs> that's how i would advertise my account with the odd bit of uh potter vibes thrown in there Thank you, Lisa. That's great. Well, thank you very much, so much for joining us. It was great to have your Muggle vibes and I'll see you at work, I guess. 
Thank you for listening to us today. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Film Class Pod and also on Instagram on the same handle. Also, you can send us an email at filmclasspod at gmail.com. Send us over any comments, any suggestions. Thank you so much as well to Kevin McLeod for our music, Night in Venice. You can find all of Kevin's work in Compatech dot filmmusic.io and the license is at creative commons see you next week see ya